Everybody good? Yeah. Um, how many people were here last night? Raise your hand. That was a download, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was uh, probably one of the best overall Bob Jones messages I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, he really sort of laid a lot of things out uh, about the future. Uh, and really what was encouraging to me is a lot of stuff that the Lord's really shown us. You know, he was uh, releasing those same things, a little bit different language. Uh, one of the things he shared that I felt was really good was he was talking about Iredell County area being a place where God really wanted to... Uh, there was a favor on this place, and he mentioned agriculture and uh, tools that God really... And he wanted this place to be a place of surplus in the future. In other words, that God is really calling us to, to really begin to look at uh, this, you know, that God is a very innovative Lord, and He really wants to, to be able to practically help people uh, when things in the future become more, uh, you know, challenging in this country. Amen? So this, that's a great place to be living in, somewhere where there's going to be a surplus versus uh, a want. But you got to have that heart. One thing he said, I told Bunny this, that she should be encouraged, is he said that some... Some people need to learn how to can again, you know, can food. Uh, so Bunny knows how to can food. There you go. So maybe you got a practical way of learning how to can food. Maybe Bunny should do a class on canning. And they also talked about gardening. I hated gardening, girl. I grew up gardening. So I've, I've forgotten everything on purpose. I don't want to know anything about gardening. But he was talking about us really, you know, thinking about gardening again. I mean, those are some real practical things we can begin to think in terms of in our lives for what God has in the future, because God wants to bless us, okay? And so if you can stay to the second service, he'll be here again in the second service. One thing, I, I wouldn't say this to him, and I, but I believe, knowing what the Lord showed him about his life, uh, he doesn't have much longer here, okay? Because the Lord showed him that, you know, when his life would come to an end. Uh, and, that, and it's not far off. So I was just so blessed last I could have stayed here all night listening to him because it was so rich. Plus, I really realized that he's not going to be around much longer. We're not going to get him to come and speak to us much longer. So it was a real honor, real privilege. Plus, it was a real blessing from the Lord for the Lord to speak to you and confirm things. that we've all, A lot of things we've already felt like the Church of Philadelphia that was one thing the Lord really showed us, the brotherly love, the uh, key of David. All those things are really important right now. And so God is really try just trying to get our attention. Amen? That's encouraging, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That message will be on the website. Uh, Lord bless Tony Baker. Amen? He has to work on He has to take those messages and listen to them and clean them up and get noise off of them and, you know, fix them. So it'll, it'll, but it will be on the website in the next week or so. And so you can download it and listen to it uh, at, your, at your convenience. And I would really urge you to do that. And if you can stay for the second service, that would be great. But that will also be on the website too. But you're just stuck with me right now. Let's turn to Ephesians. I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm not sorry, really. I'm happy with me, personally speaking. You know, yeah, I'm happy with whatever. Amen? Uh, Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're good. Everybody say, Lord, you're good. So what I want to talk to you a little bit about, this uh, is in Ephesians 2. And what, uh, let me just, just sort of share these things with you, and, and hopefully you can capture the heart of what I'm trying to really tell you this morning. Uh, 
verse 11 says, Therefore remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, speaking of the Jewish religion. That at that time you were without Christ. Amen? We were out without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So, you know, Paul's really introducing something here in Ephesians that's really, really, really important, okay? And it has become more important in our generation. Uh, and that is the fact that without Israel, we're lost. And that's really what he just said there in verse 12. Without Israel, the covenants of promise, all those came through through Israel, okay? And in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, uh, that was the beginning of the modern relaunch of this vision that Paul lays out in these verses here. But he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Uh, so we've been brought in. Uh, Romans says we've been grafted in. That's how he uses the verb in, I think, Roman 10 or Roman 11, I think. That we've been grafted into the vine. Uh, amen. Praise God. For he himself is our peace who was, has made both one. Now, he's talking about two things here, both. That means two things. And really what he's talking about, he's talking about it, the Jewish race, the Jews and the Gentiles. In other words, the Jews and the rest of the world, because the rest of the world are the Gentiles. That's, that's who, and that's who most of us were. We were Gentiles by nature. A few, few Jewish people around, but mainly Gentiles. Uh, he has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law, of commandments containing ordinance so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. In other words, the Lord has taken uh, uh, Israel, the Jews, the Israel, and he's taken the Gentiles and he's created something. He's, because beforehand, they were separate. Beforehand, there was Israel who, they had God, nobody else had God. And they had all the promises, they had everything. And, and the rest of us were on the outside looking in. But now in Christ, we've all been brought in. Any, any person who's in Christ has been, has been made part of this person, this new person that God has created. Okay, and that's really wonderful, isn't it? That we've been, but here's the thing. I'm going to tell you, Israel's future is our future. Okay, we, are in separ we, we can't separate ourselves from Israel. Okay, so whatever happens to Israel is going to happen to us. Are you following what I'm saying to you this morning? So Israel should be a nation. That's why Paul says pray for the peace of Jerusalem because in them having peace, we're going to have peace. Okay? In them having peace, we're going to have peace. So we can never separate ourselves from that nation. And I love it that the United States, the United States, I'm not even talking about the church, I'm talking about the United States of America's destiny is tied to Israel. And as long as our destiny as a nation is tied to Israel, we're in good shape as a nation. Now, that's the truth. The moment our destiny is cut off from Israel's destiny, we're in trouble. Okay? And that's really something we really have to, have to really pray for. Uh, let me go on and read. And he says, uh, He made this new man, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body. That's the church. In, in other words, the, 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 the church... 
is not necessarily replacing Israel, but the church is becoming a part of Israel, and Israel is becoming a part of the church like we're becoming a part. So we're not talking about replacing Israel. We're talking about Israel being a part of the body of Christ and us being a part of the Christ, body of Christ. We become part of them. They become part of us. And that's why I, I say whatever happens to Israel, is, it happens to us. Okay? That he might reconcile it to God through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. I love that verse in the Bible. We have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. That's one of the Father's heart's verses, lifetime verses for me. In verse 19 it says, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's what God has made us. And so the very first move of God that ever really happened in, in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, the gospel started there in, 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 in Jerusalem and spread out all over the world. That's, that was the beginning point. That was the first revival. The last revival that ever will happen on this earth will be in Jerusalem again. Okay, But this time the world will go to Jerusalem. In other words, it's going to go back to where it began, and the world will go there. And it will be the most, it will be the greatest, that's the Bible, right? It will be the, and why? Because the Lord himself is going to come. He's going to come to Jerusalem. He's going to step, he's going to sit down. He's going to come back and return there, and the nations will come to him. So we see the great destiny that there is on that nation. And their destiny is our destiny. We are inexplicably unseparated from them. Uh... So that's good news and that's bad news. Okay, I want to hit on a couple of little things here. Are you are you with me? Let's look at Luke twelve uh, fifty four through fifty six. Okay, Luke twelve fifty four through fifty six. I want to read something Jesus said that was really good. Um, this okay. Jesus is talking, and then he said to the multitude, uh, in verse 54, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming, and so it is. A shower is coming, and so it is. They didn't have the weather channel back then. So they got really good at monitoring the weather in the natural. How many people are good at monitoring the weather in the natural? I'm, I'm real good at it. You know what I can do? It's what I do every morning. I can get up and I can walk downstairs in my, house, in my house. I walk downstairs barefooted and sit down. We have hardwood floors and I can feel the hardwood floors in my house and tell you what the weather is outside. Like this morning I went down there and I'm talking about it's pitch dark. I haven't looked at the weather. It's pitch dark in there. There's nothing happening. I can sit down. I can feel the floor and I said, it's cold and clear out there. That's what I said. It's cold and clear. Put my shoes on. I walk out there and I look up and I see stars. It was cold and clear. And I just, I've sort of learned how to tell the weather by certain conditions on my floors. I can look at my floors and tell. Because they, when it's real cold, they start separating. Well, that was like the Jews in those days. That's really a cool thing to be able to do. And if I really can't figure it out, if I want to know what's going to happen in two or three days, I just look on my iPhone that has my weather channel app on it. And I, I can look ten days out and figure out what the weather is. And then he says, and when you see a south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there is, you know, from the south uh, where they're located at. It's crazy when you go to South America, everything's opposite. Like, it's going to be hot today. Why? There's a north wind. 
north winds or cold winds where we live. See, everything's backwards down. You know, they had a cyclone down there in uh, Australia this week. Do y'all know what the difference between a cyclone and a, and a hurricane is? Anybody know? Yeah, they, they rotate the opposite way. That's the only difference. Because I thought, why do they call that a cyclone? It's the same thing. But, oh, that's right, there's a different rotation. When your, your water goes down your sink opposite down there. It's just the opposite world in a lot of ways. But then Jesus shifts gears here. Okay, and this is where he really wants to shift gears on us. Hypocrites. Oh, you can discern the face of the sky of the earth and, and of the earth. But how is it that you do not discern this time? How is it that you do not discern this time? In other words, what he was saying to these people, he called them hypocrites. Now, Jesus, he, his words were very accurate. In other words, a hypocrite is somebody who, who has something and claims to be something else or vice versa. Okay? In other words, Jesus was not calling them hypocrites because he, what they had the ability to discern the time they were in, but they were not doing it. They were not using that ability for some reason. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, he wasn't just being mean to them. In other words, if I said to Doug Murdoch, Doug, you're a hypocrite because you're not a black person. You know, that would be wrong because he can't be a black person. He can only be a white person. But if I said, Doug, you're a hypocrite because you're not being a white person, he would look at me like, you know, that would be, that could be a legitimate, you know, that might not be a great example, but you, you understand what I'm trying to get to. you. In other words, Jesus didn't go after somebody for something they couldn't do or couldn't be. He was going after them because they could discern the times. He had given them the ability. They could discern the times they were living, but they were not doing it. Yet they could discern the weather. And say, so what we really have to really understand is we're in a time where God is calling the church. We need to discern the times. We need to understand the times we're living in. Because we're not living in normal times. We're living in, and we're living in very unusual times. Okay, And God really wants to help us really understand the times we're living in and, to, and get where we can begin as a, as a people continually discerning the times. There's an Old Testament scripture, uh, I think First Chronicles 12, Issachar uh, un, understood the times and knew what to do. And that's the only way we're going to be able to know what to do and really know what to do in these days that we're living in is to, to be able to discern the times. So here's what I did, is I gave some things that I believe will help us. I'm very interested in what's going on in the world. I mean, okay, I'm very interested in what's happening out there. Because I'm looking at that so I can learn how to discern, just like I've learned how to walk on my floors with my barefoot feet and look at my floors and tell what the weather is outside. I'm learning how to do that also spiritually with what's going on in the world. I'm, I'm giving attention to that. Okay, because it's really imperative that we give attention to that. So I've been sort of gleaming things, and I wanted to read a few things to sort of help you grasp something this morning about the times we live in. Okay, are y'all with me so far? Y'all tracking with me? Uh, Let's look at that. Let's put that first, whatever it is. I'm just going to read them, and she'll have to keep up with me. Okay, it's called Upheaval in the Middle East. Okay, and I've, I've gleaned this from different places. But I'll tell you one place I haven't gleaned it from. I haven't gleaned it from the news media. Okay, because I'm going to tell you something. Somebody prophesied years ago and said one of, the, one of the, the most vile prophecies being raised up in the world today is the secular news media. And that's the truth because they're liars. And what they're telling us is lies. They're telling us lies. 
They're trying, and they're indoctrinating us and getting us to believe something that's really not the truth. It's a big deception. And so we really have to be careful about what we listen to and what we hear that's coming from the news. And I'm even talking about good news. So this didn't come from them. This come from uh, other more reliable sources. A lot of this I got out of, out of people in Israel, uh, Messianic believers who are very serious, proven people. So this, this all happened in one week, if not this past week, the la- uh, w- a week ago. It, uh, the moderate government of Lebanon has been overthrown and replaced by Hezbollah, Syrian, Iranian puppet of Islamic extremists. Uh, the overthrow of the Egyptian government under this President Mubarak has begun, begun by massive street demonstration and rioting. Uh, this Ab- uh, Iranian Admiral Big Ham, that sounds like an interesting name, announced plans to send Iranian warships into the Mediterranean for military exercises and intelligence. Riots erupted in Tunisia, Algeria, and Jordan threatened to overthrow the governance in those nations. Now this all happened in one week. In the Middle East. Not this past week, the week before. Al Al Jazeera television broadcast a release of secret documents against the Palestinian Authority, which was perceived by the Palestinians as a threat against them. Well, this is really encouraging, isn't it? Islamic suicide bombers killed 35 and injured 110 people in a metro station in Moscow. All right, the common denominator in all these upheavals is the attempt of Islamic Jihad forces to take control of Middle Eastern nations in their overall plan for world dominion. Did you get that? Their overall plan for world dominion. They have a plan for world dominion, okay? And the vision of, of this Jihad also includes, listen to me, it includes the destruction of the Christian religion or Christianity and the nation of Israel. Now, when they are going after Israel, let's face it, they're going after us. But they have a very calculated plan, a very calculated plan, and their plan is to destroy Israel and destroy you and I. Okay, and so we, and that, that's what I'm saying. We need to start learning how to discern the times we're living in. We need to learn how to start paying attention to what's going on in the world. Okay, there's this other phrase that they've used. Well, one thing is, 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 is these people who understand Islam will say this. Islam is not just a religion. It is a religion and a government. It is a reli- Christianity is not a government. Not at this point in time. But when Jesus comes back, we will become a government. But only when he comes back. Because he's the king. And when the king's here, then we'll be under his government. And he'll start governing the world. But until that time, we're not considering ourselves a government. We consider ourselves a Christian you know, governing in the spiritual realm, but they consider themselves to be a government. Okay? And there's this phrase that has been used and has been used for years, but it's not common. It's called the United States of Islam. They're not talking about the United States of America. They are talking about the Mideast nations gathering together as a common nation, common nations that all are under the banner and governed by an Islamic government and Islamic religion, Sharia law being their rule. Okay, so what we're hearing from our government is there needs to be democracy in Egypt. That's the same thing that our government said back in the late 70s when the Shah of Iran, who was one of our allies, a dictator, and Jimmy Carter decided that Iran should become a democracy. Do y'all know that? Do y'all understand where, where Iran is today? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? 
because democracy will not necessarily work in those countries. It could work, depending on who the leader is. So for our government to be pushing democracy in Egypt is, is really not wisdom. If we had wisdom to learn from our past mistakes to realize this is not going to work. Okay? And this is what it is. Islam and democracy will never work. The ideal of democracy is this. Okay? Now, this is why it won't work. A government, a democracy is this. A government by the people, for the people, and lawmakers that make laws that agree with the people to protect the people. That's really what democracy is. We, we know we're sort of drifting from that, right? But that's really what it is. We vote our representatives in. Now, this is what Islam says. People have no voice. Islam says Allah gives us the law, and the law is Sharia law, and we will enforce it to the world by the sword. We will enforce it to the world by the sword. In other words, we will do it through violence and force. We will enforce our laws upon people. Okay? And so that's why we need to remember Iran, I think, right now, and pay attention. Like, look, these guys are just walking down this same road. Okay? And if we buy into what we're being told by the media, that, oh, yes, they need a democracy because democracy works really well in the United States, we're falling into a big trap. Now, I'm not here to say I know anything. But I am saying we need to start discerning the times and understanding what's going on in the world today. Okay? And understand that things are being accelerated in the natural world. Things are being accelerated. And so we're facing some forces against us that we've never faced before. And I'm saying against me and you right here, right now. Because eventually, it's like they're lining up to get Israel. They're lining up to get us also. Because us and Israel, like I just read to you, are one man. We're connected. And that's why I said whatever happens to Israel is going to happen to us. Okay? Does that scare you? Don't be scared. Okay? What I'm, just, what I'm trying to do is help us to realize something. We've been talking for a few years now about being able to see into the spirit world. A lot of Christians just poo-poo that. They think that's charismatic power games. Let me tell you, it is anything but that. It is our very survival for the future. It is our very survival for the future. And so that's why we really have to begin to wake up. The church needs to begin. We've got to wake up and start getting our hearts awakened, okay, and realize we're not in a game, and we're in a serious thing, and, and, and decisions are being made by our government and governments of the world and people out there. There's people on the ground who've been on the ground in Egypt, okay, who come back and said, listen, the people, the majority of the people of Egypt are not violent people. They are not trying to take this government down right now. They would like some changes. They would like it. But they don't want all this. And, but the news media is pumping it like everybody there, we've got to get these people out. They're evil. They're wicked. And yes, they're evil and wicked. Yet they've been our best ally over there in the Mideast for 30 years, even though the guy is a, a dictator. But he's been the, we've made the best, he's been the best of a bad situation. And see, we're falling into a trap as a nation. I believe we're falling into a trap set by the enemy. And you hear people saying, oh, the Muslim Brotherhood over in Egypt, they're not a problem. Well, they're a big problem. They are a big. In fact, those, if you go back and study the history of, of, I'm getting on this maybe a little bit too much. If you study the history of Egypt, the masterminds of some of the greatest terrorist attacks that have happened in the world, including 9-11, including the, the World Trade Center bombing in 1993, came from Egypt. They're a hotbed. They've always been a hotbed of terrorism. 
Okay, and now what's happening is things are being given away. A door is being opened for those people that go and rule Egypt, who happens to have one of the best militaries over there, armed and equipped by what nation? The United States of America, built on the American military technology. And suddenly we're going to have jihad, Islamic terrorists, that are going to be able to control that military. And you got Israel sitting right there thinking, duh, we're getting surrounded all of a sudden. We should be thinking we're getting surrounded. That's why I read those scriptures. We need to think we're being surrounded. That the enemy's coming at us now. Because sooner or later they will. So if you really want to know some more about what's going on in Egypt, read Isaiah 19. I'm not going to read this morning. Read Isaiah 19. It describes, it's like, oh my gosh, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm reading, it's already here in the Bible. It's already been prophesied by Isaiah the prophet years ago. It's happening right now. Isaiah 19 is being fulfilled right now. Okay. I said all that, not to get everybody all stirred up here, but I'm pretty, I'm interested in this. I'm very interested. Let's let's look at uh, 2 Kings, because I want to encourage you, though. My job is not to be a politician or an observer of political things. My job is to do what Jesus rebuked those guys for not being able to discern the times. I could hear Jesus saying, Byron, you're good at discerning the weather. You've gotten real good at it because you've been real intentional about it. But you have no clue what's going on in the world around you because you're not paying attention. You're not thinking about it. You're not, you're not looking at, at the headlines and going into the Word and finding out what the Word's saying. You're not listening to credible people that's, that's really saying this is what's really happening. You're not finding those voices. So that's, you know, what I've been doing. I really encourage you to do that. Are y'all okay? All right, uh, listen, this is a story in 2 Kings 6. And what was happening was, Elijah, there was the Syrians, the king of Syria, and Elijah, everything that they would do, Elijah would tell them. They would say, we're going to go over here and do this. Elijah would tell the Israeli armies, don't go by there because the Syrians are going to be waiting to kidnap you. It was like he knew he could hear everything they were saying. And they were getting really irritated, and they want to get on They found out it was Elijah doing it, and they said, we're going to get that rascal. Where is he? And they said, he's in such and such a town. And so what happened one night, the Syrian army went to this one town because there was one man in there that they wanted. Okay? And they surrounded the town. They surrounded the town. This is, this is a great story in the Bible. But I, so I've just told you everything from verse 8 down to verse 14. And then in verse 15, we're going to read it. And when the servant of the man of God got up early in the morning and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What shall we do? And I'm telling you, there's a day coming for us. There's a day coming when we're going to say the same thing if we're not careful. We're going to be like Elijah's servant. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because we're going to realize we're being surrounded by an evil that's at the doorstep. It's, no longer, it's like we used to say when I was a young Christian. It's like the, we would say, well, it's a different thing. You know, the Russians are coming. You know, it's back in the Soviet Union days. The Russians are coming. It's a different thing if you say the Russians are, are here. Okay, well, this is a whole different enemy. They are already here. They are already here in the United States of America. They didn't come in as an army. They came in as businessmen. They came in as normal people. They found one major guy this past week being in a trunk in a car coming through the Mexican border, a major uh, 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 terrorist cleric 
opened the trunk, and there he was, coming from Mexico into our country. They're here. They really are here. Okay? They're here. They just haven't manifested themselves, really. But one thing about those, those guys is they're very patient. They're very good uh, clandestine warriors. They're very good at what they do. They're willing to wait it out. Okay, so that's encouraging. And I'm, try, I'm saying, Lord, help me to do this in a way that makes people feel good. You know? <laughs> you know, not just feel good, but, you know, the Holy Ghost. That's what makes it. And when the servant of the man of God, well, we read that uh, in verse 16. So he, and so Elijah answered, hey, don't get scared. Don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, that's really where we, and that's what I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you the spiritual realm stuff is really, really important to you and I. If we don't know what's in the spirit realm, if we're not connecting and knowing what's in there, all we're going to see is those guys coming against us. All we're going to see is the people, is, is nations tumbling and falling and terrorists taking over. All we're going to see is our economy dropping off. All we're going to see is the bad news. Even in your own personal life. How many people have had stuff recently, bad news have come to your house? And you really had to figure out, am I going to let this bad news take me out? Or am I going to find the Holy Spirit? Am I going to tap into the spiritual world? Well, here's the truth. If you don't tap into the spiritual world, that bad news is meant to take you out. So you see, it's even like, I'm, we're talking elementary here. We've got to get the elementary down. Because there's too many Christians who've lost hope, who've given up, who are discouraged, who are, who are down in the mouth because of the circumstances of their life. Have, have, you know, the pressure's been put on them. The difficulties have come their way. And they're not connected into the spiritual world. Because Paul, the apostle, said in 2, 4, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he says, this is the way you don't lose heart. He said it. This is the way you don't lose hope. He didn't say it's because you look in your bank account or you look around with everything that's going good. No, you see the invisible world. That's how he said to do it. That's the biblical way. America needs new hope now. But we're not going to find hope here. We're going to find it in the invisible world. And so we have to learn to get our eyes opened, our spiritual eyes. And Jesus said to those people, you're hypocrites because you have eyes and you won't use them. And He's saying that to the church in America. Don't be a hypocrite in this hour. Use your spiritual eyes. Use them. And see what's really going on. And I will will help you use them. I will bring you into the use of them. But if you stay in unbelief, if you stay in criticism, if you stay in sin, if you stay in whatever, it's going to keep you from doing that. Okay? Because sin darkens your dianoia. That's Ephesians 4, 18. It darkens it. It makes darkness come on. And you're unable to see. Or what you do see is so distorted because you're just seeing this through these distorted lenses. I'm telling you, this is really important right now. And everything God's been trying to do in our church for the past few years, it's really not been about an experience, although the experience is awesome. It's not really been about a revival, although the revival is awesome. It's been about equipping the people of God, bringing the people of God into a place to be able to live in the world we're living in today and deal with the things we're we're going to have to face in this world. And help our children, help our grandchildren to be raised up and be equipped. I've got a real passion for the other generations. But my passion is not just to see them have a good time in God. I'd like for them to have that because people need to have a good time in God. I want them to be able to do what I'm pursuing to do. 
I want them to be able to see the invisible. I want them to be equipped. How are we going to give them that if we don't have it? How are we going to give them that if we, every time something comes and resists us, we quit, we give up, we get discouraged? How are we going to pass that to the next generation? You can't only give away what you really have. Are y'all following this? And so I, I think this is what we got to do. And so this is what he said. This, and this is Old Testament, which drives me nuts. And Elisha answered and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. That's what we need to pray. Lord, open my eyes that I may see what's really going on in Egypt, in the Mideast, in Israel, in the United States of America, in Washington, D.C., in Mooresville, North Carolina, at 148 Pampas Lane, my house, in my living room, at 2487 Charlotte Highway at River. Open my eyes, Lord, so I can really see. God has a desire to open our eyes. He has a great desire. He equipped us with those eyes. He would have never given eye, gave us eyes to not be able to see. The church can't be made up of all blind people. Right. It cannot be. There's somebody who has to see to be able to lead the other people. Right. What if this world was only blind people in the natural? It would be a terrible world, right? But it's not. Thank God it's not. And the ones who are blind, God wants to heal them, I think. And I, and, but the spiritual blind, we're more spiritual blind than, than not. Okay? And so, um, and this is what he saw. And then the Lord opened the eyes. He answered the prayer. That's a good thing, isn't it? The eyes of the young man he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Like, and all of a sudden he was thinking, well, hey, y'all bring y'all's old chariots on. Bring them on! We got chariots of fire, and we got something that'll tear you down. Suddenly, faith was released. Faith was activated. He wasn't worried about what was going on in the natural because he saw something greater, and he didn't lose hope. He was he was fulfilling what Paul said. I saw the invisible. I didn't lose hope when I was crushed, when I was beat down, when I was lost, when everything went wrong in my life, when I lost my job, I lost my income, I lost my girlfriend, my wife left me. Whatever, you know. <laughs> Don't leave me, Becky. <laughs> But I'm just saying, because he saw something greater, he didn't lose heart. Now that's really it. That's the key for us. America has lost hope. We're the only ones that can give them real hope. But if we are not seeing the invisible, how are we going to give America hope? We're going to give them religion. It's like at the end of... I'm running out of time. I got one more scripture. Listen to this. At the end, at 9-11, when the, the collapse happened with the, with the World Trade Center, not the World Trade the things, whatever, whatever, what were they saying? The Twin Towers. People flocked to the churches for two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. They went into the church looking for hope, looking for answers, and what did they find? Nothing. And they left, and church attendance declined over the next few years in America. Because people didn't, they went to the place that supposedly had the answers, the people that could give them hope, and they were worse than they were. They were worse. And they thought, well, hey, why don't we go hang around with these bunch? They need help. Not every church is like that, obviously. But a lot of churches were. And America missed a, an opportunity time, I think, for a major revival in America. There could have been a revival in America. And when we look back at 9-11-2001, we could have said that was the beginning of the revival. But it wasn't. Are y'all following this? Yeah. 
And so God has given us an opportunity. And I believe, when I read all this stuff and started investigating this, I realized we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity right now. You see, it's not, we're, you know, the Russians are not at the door. They don't have their guns pulled on us. They, they don't have them up to our heads saying, uh, follow Christ, I'll kill you. They don't have that right this minute. They, we don't have Sharia law. We have uh, South Carolina legislator passing a law to say we ain't going to let Sharia law come in. Is that insane that we'd even have to do such a thing? We should laugh at those guys. You think you're going to bring your law in and put it above our Constitution? But it's an issue because it's happening. That's why it's an issue. You see what I'm saying? We, God really wants to wake us up. He really does. Poo-poo revival. Poo-poo the Holy Spirit River all you want to. You're making a terrible poo-poo. You really are. It ain't the kind of poo-poo you want to make. Poo-poo all the stuff. Don't do it. Because the ultimate end of it is not the experience. It's not the, 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 the wonderful parts that we love to be touched by the Lord. The experience is God's equipping us. God's training us. He's giving us something on board that we didn't really have. He taught, he's teaching us how to connect to the spiritual world. And we may connect with the spiritual world with each other a little bit on low levels now, but the day will come when we're going to need to really connect with it. Like, oh, I need to make some decisions. I promise you, if you live in Israel this day, you want to be able to connect with the spiritual world and determine where you go buy groceries because there could be a suicide bomber there. You don't want to just go anywhere. You want to be able to discern what's really happening around you. That's why we need to practice that today. Everywhere we go, every house we walk in, every store we walk in, we should be practicing. We should be exercising our spiritual gifts and learning what's going on there because there's many demons here as they are there probably. You know? There's demons here. But let me read one more scripture to you. Are y'all okay? I believe the Lord is calling us, man. I hear the call of the Lord. I hear Him saying, wake up. Open your eyes. Don't be hypocrites. Discern the times you live in. Don't be a smug Christian. Don't be a hard-hearted Christian. Don't be a Christian who's drifting in this time. Don't be a person who's lost hope. I hear the Lord saying that. He said, come on. Because He wins in the end. But I want to be there with him. And in the end, you know who's going to be with Jesus? Revelations 14, I think, verse 17. Those who are called, those who are chosen, and one more thing, those who are faithful. You can have the greatest call in the world. You can even be walking in your call and being chosen by God. But if you're not faithful, if you're not faithful, you're not going to be ruling with him. And God's looking for people to rule and reign with him on the earth. That's the truth of the Scripture. He's looking for those people when he decides to execute his judgment. I plan on being one of those people. I had a friend of mine one time and said, Byron, I'm going to tell you something. This is what I'm going for. I said, what? He said, you know, he said, I'm not going for that. He said, that's nothing. He said, I'm going for those two witnesses. That's what he told me. He was serious. I'm going to be one of those two witnesses you know, that prophesied that were killed and laid their bodies laid out. I'm thinking, really? Wow, that's pretty good. Maybe you have a call to be one of those two witnesses. I don't know. But i tell you what I did appreciate about him. I appreciated that this person had a call in their life and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it and go for it regardless of what is happening around me. And I'm going to, I'm going to go on with God. I'm going to have something from the Lord. And, and I may not make the two witness thing, but i tell you what, buddy, Roll, I'm going to be, by the grace of God, I'm going to be a called, a chosen, and a faithful person. I have a call. I'm called and I've been chosen. I'm living out my faithfulness now. 
Are you? Are you and I living this faithfulness out? I'm not talking about just being a good Christian. I'm talking about really going after God. I'm talking about being really connected with the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. Am I crazy? No. It'd be crazy. All right, Ephesians 3.10. A little bit. I got to sweat. Here's what God's going to do with this church. Here's, this, see, see we're gonna, he's going to teach us. There's a church that's going to do this. There's a church somewhere that's going to be able to see in the spiritual world, understand the spiritual and operate from that world. There is going to be a people who would do that. It's going to be made up of Gentiles and Jews. And they're going to be operating together at the end times. And, th- and we're supposed to be doing this now. We're dealing with these things. Because I ain't really necessarily going to be going to get no guns and trying to shoot people. You know, I would get shot pretty quick. And I used to be a real good marksman, but I don't want to have to fight somebody who's been trained like that. But I'd rather beat them spiritually, because if I can beat them spiritually, I can beat them. Amen? Jesus beat everybody. He beat them all. He whooped every one of them. He didn't raise his hand and slap nobody. He did beat a couple guys one day with a belt, you know, a cord, but that was only. He did do that. Jesus could get unnice sometimes. Did y'all ever notice that? All right, I know. I need, I need to say this to me. Are you so nice all the time that Jesus can't do what he needs to do to you? Because he wasn't nice to everybody all the time. That's a religious lie. So stop being nice when, when he's not being nice. Now, some people, yeah, some people may not need to hear that word because they're just mean all the time. You may even repent. But some people are so doggone nice and they're just getting walked all over and God ain't calling them to be walked all over. And that's the truth. Because Jesus was not nice. He said some hard things. Anyways, let me read 310. I'm getting off the traffic. I believe the Lord, I'm encouraged. I don't care what they're doing over there. I'm encouraged. I'll tell you why I'm encouraged. Because I'm starting to see the invisible. I got hope beyond here. You know, and I've got some serious problems going on in my life right now. I've got some serious problems going on in my personal life. I've got serious problems going on in this church. I mean serious problems. Problems that really bum me. And I've had to face those problems and realize, am I going to let them problems take me down? No, I can't do that. I can't. Because if I do, then there's no answers for the problems. I've got to be an answer at some point. So what I'm doing is like, I'm going to go to this, the invisible. And that's going to give me the answers. And because at 310, I've said it 50 times now, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? The church. The manifold wisdom of God made known by the church. To who? It, I'm telling you, to who? Okay, listen to this. To who? We've got to get this who? To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We're not talking about the people that are misguided, misled human beings that are doing crazy stuff. We're talking about the demon rulers, the prince of Persia who has come back who has showed up. He was in Daniel 10. Read Daniel 10 if you want to know some stuff. That same prince of Persia has shown up again. You know, Persia is modern-day Iran, right? Shown up again to resist the people of God. I'm telling you, he's shown up, and he's trying to spread his thing. He's trying to resist us. He's trying to resist prayer. You, you wonder why maybe some of your prayers haven't been answered? You wonder there's something going on in the spiritual world that's holding it up? Daniel... When you prayed, your prayer was answered, but there was this principality, this demon prince that i got to go deal with. There's power up there, or wherever that spiritual world is, up there right around us, the cosmic world, the spiritual. There's power in that world. 
But we have a greater power. And so when we begin to tap into that, well, read Daniel 10 if you really want to know how to connect it to what a real spiritual encounter. He goes through the details of what happened to him. You know, this thing touched me. It spoke to me. It touched me again. This what happened. I saw this. I did this. It's one of the greatest things. We get caught up in all the end time thing on it, but I got caught up in all the details of having an encounter. If you want to know how to have an encounter with the Lord, that Daniel 10 is sort of a textbook on encounters with the Lord. Amen? Stand up, we're going to pray. This is a great altar call message, right? Like, God help us. Yeah, open our eyes, Father. Put your hand on your heart if, this morning. Let's put our hands and ask the Lord. Like, uh, we're, like Elijah said, hey, open my servant's eyes, Father. Open, Father, we're asking to open our spiritual eyes right now so we can see what's going on in the spiritual world. Lord, we want to be, uh, we don't want you to come and rebuke us and tell us we're hypocrites because we can look at the weather and tell what the natural weather is, but we can't discern the times that we're living in. You're calling the people in this room this morning to discern the times that we're living in and not be scared about it because we see something greater in the spiritual world. We see the power of God. We see the glory of God. We see the, we see the King eternal. We see Jesus Christ on His white horse declaring His rulership. When we begin to see that, we're not afraid, Lord. So we ask You now, God, in Jesus' name, we're asking You today. Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for peace. We pray for the situation going on over there in Egypt. Give us wisdom, God. Let that wisdom be manifested through this church, through the churches in this area. Just ask you to do that, Lord. Let your glory come on down on our spiritual senses, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just repent of criticism. It's like a critical spirit that we've got to throw down. We've got to throw it down. Just ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me for being critical. Lord, forgive me for judging other people and finding faults. Forgive me for finding fault with the move of the Lord. Just ask you to forgive me, Lord. Because Lord, I don't want anything to stand between me and you. Nothing. Lord, help me to base my life on truth. You're the truth. You're the spirit of truth. You, you desire truth in the inward parts. You don't want us to live our lives and not face the truth about ourselves. I pray that we'd all face the truth about ourselves this morning. Get real with you today, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. So, I'm just going to go ahead and Lord bless you guys and be dismissed. If you can come back, this is what I do know about Bob Jones. Is a lot of people have a hard time understanding some of the stuff he says, but you can get an impartation being around him. If you're just around him, something can happen in your life. He really is does have the office of a prophet. And so he has this authority in the spiritual realm to release things that normal people can't release. So I just wanted to say that to you, you know, for your encouragement and help. So, Lord bless you to be dismissed.